0: hi everyone and welcome to our first episode of de trois rendezvous i am very excited to welcome mahalo and imanos to the studio today to kick our first ever episode today we're going to be talking about their upcoming release aftertaste featuring a very talented singer called joe cleary and that will be coming out on november 6th this friday and it's great to have you both here to talk about the process, the record, everything in between. Um, so, yeah, thanks for taking the time, guys.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. It's uh, really
2: yeah. Great to be here. Yeah, very happy to be with you.
0: So, the first question I want to pose, and this can go to Mahalo What got you into producing? Tell us what the. What the catalyst was that led to Mahalo becoming one of the most buzzing upcoming DJs within the dance music machine?
1: Oh wow, uh, I'm flattered. <laughs> thank you, firstly, for uh, that that beautiful introduction. Um, I started getting into dance music as a teenager through my father and my uncle, who both <clears throat> were sort of loosely, you know, into. Um, parts of the business sort of uh my uncle was into dance radio and things like that and um yeah they just you know knew some people in the in the the industry and passed me mixtapes and stuff like that as a kid and I you know got got the itch to really make this uh you know something more than a hobby for myself so I started producing when I was a when I was a kid um on Sony Acid, I don't know if you guys remember that, but oh, I love Acid. Right, right, yeah, man. I, I wonder if they even still have it anymore. I'm sure they do, but I don't know anyone that uses it in a professional sense anyway. <laughs> there,
2: was, there was Acid, there was Cool Edit Pro, I believe there was Sound Forge, there was all these different things right. back in the day. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. So that was um, you know my first foray into a, a DAW, so to speak, and. Uh, then as a, as a teenager, I got a little bit older and started going to raves and stuff like that. And uh, that's when I think that was the, the catalyst, so to speak, as you were saying, um, Lucina. That uh, really got me going. I started DJing from there um, and was DJing at raves <laughs> and... Uh, You know, from from there, I started wanting to have my own records to play, and you know, started making edits and things like that. And um, one thing led to another, and you know, I've just been producing ever since.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I actually was very similar in the sense that I remember my first rave so well. It was in New Orleans. Skrillex was on his Mothership tour. And I remember growing up and my parents always talking about clubbing because they grew up in the UK. And I was like, what is clubbing? Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't wrap my head around this, you know? And so going to that first rave kind of was my foray into the entire world of dance music. Um, and I think everyone can can speak to their first experience like that and kind of what got them, re- really got the wheels turning as far as them coming and making dance music their uh, their profession. Um, Imanos, for you, what would you say was the catalyst for getting you into producing?
2: So there's a few different catalysts. I'd say for, I started out making more hip hop music, but dance music, I, I was a fan since I was, you know, maybe about 11, 12 years old. Uh, I was listening to Daft Punk. I think that was some of my first exposure, just watching those music videos. Music videos were a huge thing when I was a kid. So I remember seeing and I'm going to show my age here, it's things like uh, Around the World, Daft Punk, that blew my mind. Um, music Sounds Better With You, Stardust, these kind of sick um, house sample-based tracks were some of my first exposures to dance music. But where I started producing, I um, I was in high school, you know, and I uh, obviously used things like Acid and Cool Edit, and I was really into hip-hop. So... There was producers at the time like Just Blaze and Kanye West who were producing for Jay-Z and other big artists and I kind of just heard some of their productions and sort of self-taught myself by recreating some of their some of their productions. So one of the first ones I really remember was um, H to the Izzo, which is uh, wow. an old Jay-Z song and that was one of the first big singles that Kanye West had landed. And I think I watched an interview of him saying how he did it, how he took this like Jackson 5 sample, but he used these Dr. Dre drums with it. So I was like, okay, I feel like this is this is doable, this is manageable. And it made sense to me to sample the drums, sample the uh, the Jackson 5 song and to recreate it. So my whole production background came from sampling in hip hop culture. And then as I got older i uh started listening to radio one listening to the essential mix and to Pete tong and i remember i must have been a late teenager when i heard book of shade body language and that that record really got me into house music and obviously when i was in college swedish house mafia exploded and i was just producing and making edits in my dorm room and playing them and my my digital uh workstation was um fl studio that's what i had been using to make hip-hop and then i transitioned and started learning more about dance music and for the floor and i think college was about the time where i was like okay cool these mashups i kind of understand what sweet house mafia's doing they they seemed like they were sampling some cool stuff too and eric prids was about it and i think that's when i really got into it so it started in college putting stuff online the blog scene was really big but the, the bass was the hip-hop like production world.
0: And obviously, drums have so much to do with dance music. I mean, I started the same in the A&R space. I was working in hip-hop before I was in dance. And I think that it just gave me that trained ear of being able to top mm-hmm. tempo, understand 808s, understand hi-hats, know what fits in pocket, etc. Um, so it's really interesting to know that hip-hop was a part of your foundation as well. Uh,
2: yeah. Our- yeah. Yeah, and a lot of producers that I sort of look up to, like Diplo and 8-Track, and they, they've kind of made a note of saying that um, if you know how to work with drums and create rhythm, and even Cascade talks about this too, if you know how to create rhythm and you can work on um, learning how to produce drums and writing drum lines, that can help your productions, and that can help you get into it. And like I think melodies is something that can come after so and even comes
0: inherently, I believe more than pardon anything. me. Melody comes inherently. More yeah, than anything, I yeah.
2: I think melody is a natural talent, but you can get good at drums. Yeah, you can like yeah. teach yourself drums. Melody, you got to like. I feel like you to you write really. To it it. You have to have the ear for it. Yeah. So really? I think um rhythm is where like my, where my head's at sonically, and I usually start with drums.
0: I love that. So, I mean, with that in mind, with Aftertaste, the record that we'll be releasing on Datois on November 6th, uh, Mahalo, what was your process when it came to building this track out? And obviously, it's a collaboration between you and Amanos. So I'd love to hear kind of where it started, how it came to fruition, uh, what were the pivotal moments uh, within the production process? And uh, obviously, you know, what resonated with you when it came to picking that top line and wanting to work on it?
1: Right. Um, So if I recall, I I remember being in New York and uh, it was right before a a show. And I was sitting there with my manager and um, we were just discussing um, (laughs) James. And I was like, dude, he sent me this vocal. Um, We should check it out. And... um, Because I think you were out of town or something. We were trying to meet up with you, James, while we were I think
2: so, yeah. I I don't know what had happened, but maybe I'd gone to Canada. I don't know what, but for some reason I wasn't there. But, um, yeah, I remember sending it to you, and I remember being like, I'd I'd met you, what was it, like six months before? Something like
1: that, yeah. The the time previously I'd been in New York, I'd met you, and... um and we just vibed. We you yeah know, yeah it clicked yeah. right away, man. Yeah. I, it, was, yeah. it was great. It was great. And so yeah, I remember we were we were in Williamsburg, and that's where you were living, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's where I live. So yeah, mind. I hit you yeah. up, and like that, we were just discussing, and then the, the top line appeared, um, or the you know the original uh, demo, and yeah. um, I heard it and I loved it immediately. You know, uh, oh, yeah. Joe Cleary. It's sad he can't be here, but um, oh yeah. man, what a great voice. Yeah, he just abs-
0: we love you just <laughs> absolutely
1: did, uh, such a good job with it. And, um, yeah, I just fell in love with it immediately. So, you know, for me, when I, once I was back in the studio and working on it, um, you know, it was, I, I first started with the drop and doing something with those chants. And that's where I found the, the horns to kind of, uh, and the brass to really fit it well. And, um, from there, you know, I built it out a little more and uh, added the this, this ARP in the middle. The that, ARP is sick. Yeah, that like, you know, it was a good sort of middle point to kind of
2: it gave it a
1: not to feel the same.
0: Yeah, no, it gave, I, I love the ARP because it gives it the track a progressive feel. Um, and it honestly, it taps into that Avicii sound, which I know we all love so dearly. Um, Mahalo, do you usually start with the drop when building out a track or was that just the process for Funny this Funny
1: enough, one? no. Yeah. But that was the process on this one. Um, yeah. you know, it was just trying to get something that really worked with those chants because I wanted to work backwards from that. Like I didn't want to make something that I felt was really good and then it wasn't going to work with those chants.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I had to get everything kind of figured out in that uh, respect before I went back. And I I worked kind of backwards on this one, which isn't necessarily always my process, but it it worked well for this.
2: Records are like a puzzle piece, right? And I I get that because with this track, I think by the time we sent it to Nick, to Mahalo, um, there was already like a, a nice chord progression, the there was a bit of a, a solid arrangement it and it been. was about, I feel like you, it's like a puzzle piece. You were trying to create the moment, like the drop that could be explosive and work on a dance floor. Yeah. So,
0: and it certainly can. That's for yeah.
2: sure. Yeah. Um,
1: and it, it, I, I mean, hope it's great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah one one, one day, day, one day. Will, apparently, We'll play it through some loudspeakers. We can yeah, 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 definitely.
0: Yeah. I wanted to know, like, As far as it goes for you, Amanos, what's, what's a typical day in the studio for you?
2: So, I mean, right now there's no typical days, but a typical day would be I'll wake up and I I like to go to a studio. I don't like working from home as much. And I like, I like, I feed off other people's energy. So a great studio day would be if I'm in the studio would say someone would like, like Nick and then a talented vocalist or two and a songwriter. And we just collaborate and vibe out and, play each other's stuff and see where things lead. And if we if we can leave by that evening or if we're you know staying later into the night and we can come out of there with something great that we're all proud of, that would be an excellent studio day for me. So
0: have you ever left a studio session with a fully recorded record done and mastered or is that a rarity?
2: That's a rarity. I think when I leave the studio I try to have like a finished idea. Especially if it's with someone whose time is incredibly valuable and they're an incredible vocalist because you just don't know when you're going to have them there again or sure. when you're going to be able to finish anything. So I try to get, like, a full song demo cut. Um, and then you can work
0: on production in your free time.
2: Exactly. And then you can work on, you know, mixing the vocals or adding to the production. But if you can get the demo cut and get, like, a solid idea down, then you have the, the foundation to finish, finish the track on your own. So – my my goal would be to just get something laid down get vocals recorded get a song idea hashed out where you do have you know a sick verse and bridge and chorus and and go from there but that that's that would be like a, a, a perfect day a Perfect day would be-
0: yeah and mahalo yeah. what about you i mean obviously we're living in a post or a uh, we're living in a pandemic right now, so there is no normal, as Imanis mentioned. But a typical day in the studio, how, how does that look for you?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it, as as he said, there there's there is no normal day any longer. Um, I've built out of a studio in my apartment now. Um, now that I'm I'm here every day.
0: Where are you now, Mahalo? Are you in L.A.?
1: I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah,
2: nice.
1: So. You Know, I, I'll work at varying times of the day depending on you know where I'm at. If I'm you know, I, I sometimes I'm staying at my girlfriend's place, which obviously I don't have all my equipment over there, so um, it's much more subtle what I'm able to do over there because I've been building out a huge, um, you know, sort of rack gear, this huge little design project I'm doing, um, but building out That's a amazing. Chain and, been yeah investing a lot of money into you know getting everything nice and tight here so um you know it's uh it's been fun it's been it's been it's been fun it's been giving me something that's like almost a goal like outside of just music of building out this studio during this whole right. pandemic um yeah. and i think at the end of it it's all going to be you know really worthwhile
0: totally yeah it's really good to have your own setup and feel like you know you have all of the tools needed so you don't necessarily have to go and book a studio because everything i mean most you know records are made remote these days you know and i think that with this new normal we're all living in even writers and 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 singers and you know producers who may have not appreciated working remotely before have now adapted to it so i think we're going to see a lot more of that
2: i think i um, think that's it's just the way it's going to be you know more s- yeah. zoom uh yeah recording sessions, Zoom uh, writing sessions. And for a lot of producers who are introverted, I think that they're going to thrive in this in this time. But yeah. if if you are someone who is very extroverted and likes to be in the studio and feels vibes off of people, I feel like it's a bit of an adjustment. And I've, I'm totally on that side. I, I like to catch a vibe from a singer and songwriter and collaborate and feel the energy. So it's harder to replicate that in zoom. But I think from a production standpoint, you have a lot of people who are going to be very, very productive, especially with them sort of, uh, going full home studio, full home recording. And I'm yeah. sure it's probably, you're seeing it, Nick, that, uh, your productivity is probably better now with less distraction and at your own space and having that comfortability. I mean, how have you, how have you been working? Yeah, with I, open? Mean, I have
1: a hell of a lot more time to write music. Um, you know, I I had a day job prior to all of this. And um, now I don't. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's it's I have a lot more time to work on music. And I've been finishing up a lot more songs. Um, But yeah, like, you know, to go back to like a typical day, um, you know, it really just depends on if I if I'm working on stuff in the afternoon or late at night. Um, I'm blessed to live in Hollywood where, you know, there's and there's not a lot of noise complaints over here. So, I can so be lucky working yeah. very late. Um, so that's cool. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I like getting in the room with people and, you know, getting a a, a vibe going in that sense, because I haven't done too many of these Zoom uh, recording sessions. I've done a few like recording sessions <laughs> overall, like wearing masks and stuff. It's a little goofy, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's necessary. You know what I mean? If you sure. want to be getting all together, you know, you got, you got to make sure that being safe, but, uh, it's yeah. Like I, I always hated doing Skype recording sessions and stuff like that before all of this. I, I know it's gotten a little better with zoom and all of that, but, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still skeptical on, uh, I
0: think we're all still adapting to it as well. You yeah. Know?
2: And I was just going to bring it back to aftertaste. The reason I think this collaboration happened is because me and you had a vibe when we met and we got along and we were kind of talking about music. You were playing me some of the stuff you were working on and I was doing the same. And I, I just liked you. And I think it, it was sort of mutual that we just, we were like, hey, why don't we try something? And And then when I remember hearing this and playing the idea and like, I was like, Oh, this is a cool idea. Maybe, maybe I should play it for Mahalo. Maybe that could be a fun, like, collaboration for us to do together. And it's and actually, here we are.
0: This is actually a great segue, Imanos, um, <laughs> because I was going to ask. Uh, you know, other than Aftertaste, obviously being your favorite collaboration of all time, um, what has been? And this is posed to both of you guys. We'll start with Imanos and then move it over to Mahalo. But what has been your favorite collaboration to date? And also, what is a dream collaboration of yours?
2: So I would say the most life changing collaboration was collaborating with Diplo on um, Revolution. It opened a lot of doors and introduced me to a lot of people and players in the music industry that were uh, great. And it it was just it was pretty pretty pivotal. And so that was a huge, huge thing. But I think collaborating with Pusha T for me personally he's one of my favorite artists since I'm I mean as I told you I was a hip hop kid and he was one half of the clips so I've been a fan of Pusha T since I was an early teen so I'd say that was the most uh proud proud achievement like yeah collaboration and having him say my name on a record that was that was sweet so I would say the Pusha T collaboration would be the one that stands out to me however I mean, I just like to collaborate with my friends, and there's a great house music community in Brooklyn, and I've met, met some amazing people in LA too, like Mahalo and Patlock, and um, I'm I'm super excited about some forthcoming collaborations I have with uh, people like Black Caviar and Max Styler and some really great up and coming and somewhat established producers in house music. So I just want to collaborate with other producers I admire. And I'm just one of those people that I don't really need to do everything. I just like to work with people who are incredible and talented and hopefully feed off their energy and we can bring something to the table that is a little different and just make as many songs with friends. That's what it really boils down to. It's just having fun, making songs with friends and, Hopefully, uh, the public enjoys them.
0: Yeah, resonating with the rest of the world.
2: Like, I mean, I just did a song with Cream and it's doing some, you know, decent on streaming. And that was another thing. I just met them uh, here in Brooklyn uh, at a big beat, like pool party. And we just started chatting. And and then, you know, one thing led to another. And we both kind of, again, it was similar to how me and uh, Mahalo vibed. And then the next thing you knew, we had a, a cool song out. So I think it's just all about connecting with others, meeting uh, talented people, and hopefully having a great song together.
0: Love that. And Mahalo, what about you? What was your favorite collaboration to date? And if you had to choose, do you have a dream collaboration?
1: Um, I mean, I'd probably have to go with uh, So Cold for... You know, the the most life-changing collaboration I've had so far, and that was with DLMT and uh, Lily Denning. Great I song.
0: record. It's uh, such great record. a good yeah. record, Mahalo. Yeah. Oh, my love God. that one. Yeah. If you haven't heard it, guys, go stream Mahalo So Cold, because it is a banger.
2: Just go stream his whole Spotify. There's so many <laughs> dope records
1: there. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really cool collaboration. Um, and DLM t-, t and I are going to be putting out another one pretty soon. Here, um, bit of a follow up. Uh, that one's going to be called Destination. So keep an eye out right. for that. Super excited for that. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be like early 2021. So, um, but yeah, um, I think if I could have any collaboration in the world. It'd be really dope to like dig up an old Mac Dre acapella or something like that that Ooh. hasn't been released and do something funky, you know, like get him on a club track or some shit like that. That, that would be really cool. Revive him, or it, that would be so fucking cool.
2: Yeah. Um, but I yeah, love that. yeah, yeah. That outside
1: the it? box would be like a really cool, you know, dream collaboration. Something that you know just either hasn't been done or something that is so out there that you can't help but press play.
0: Yeah, I love that. Maybe this is the next uh Imanus Mahalo collaboration that we're talking about. Who's Listen,
1: uh, I'm a Mac Dre
2: fan, so <laughs> that, that would be cool. I could I could go look in my uh in my library if there's any old akas there or something cool like that. And yeah, I love I love that it. West Coast sound. I mean, Too Short, uh E-40, all that stuff was great. So that's a kind of a cool idea. I feel like I don't know if we should be talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean,
0: sure, sure. I'll pivot it. I'll pivot the conversation. So, so blow,
2: blow the whistle. Blow the whistle.
0: <laughs> so, okay, uh, this is a fun one, um, and I love to ask honestly anyone this just to get a feel for, you know. What their, what their desert island pick is. So if you were to be stranded on a desert island, and you only had to pick one record, and we're talking single, not, not album, what would it be? What would you guys take with you? Mahalo, we'll start with you, and you can tell us why. And, uh, and then, Imanos, we will ask you. For me, personally, it would probably be um, Body Snatchers by Radiohead, um, just because that is an all-time favorite, and I don't think that it will ever sound old.
1: Man, what a question! Um, that's a, that's a tough one. I I'd, I'd probably go with a record by Left Field, or hell, even maybe a record from Sublime. But to pick,
0: oh nice, love Sublime. To
1: pick one would be very very difficult. Um, but maybe right back by Sublime, I'll, I'll pick one. I'll commit right back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good answer, honestly. And I feel like that could bring you out of a really dark place. If you're on a desert Island, you know, it's all right. about kind of a song being palpable to whatever mood you're in. Like if you're sad, I feel like that record can make you feel sad, but if you're happy, it can make you feel happy. Like there's, there's some magic to records like that, you know?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Sublime's whole discography is like my my uh my what, <laughs> my scriptures. That's the word I'm looking for. Um yeah, no, I, I I grew up on all that stuff and ska and punk reggae and all that. I I, I love it. I love it.
2: Oh,
0: yeah, some Cypress Hill, we love. Absolutely. Uh, Imanos, what about you? What's your desert it, island song?
2: This is so hard. It's but, such a
0: hard question. But,
2: I mean, I'm thinking I would probably go something indie, maybe something more chill because it's a desert island. So maybe like Tame Impala, Currents, or Um Walking on a Dream, Empire of the Sun, something that's more oh, okay. laid back. Yeah. Okay. So like I, 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 I think those something like that. It would be it's very hard. But- all as picked. much as I
1: love that song, dude, I would go crazy if I had to hear that song for the rest. Of no, my oh, is it just
2: one song? Are we talking album? I thought no, we were talking album. one
0: song. One
2: oh, song. one song. Oh man,
0: I just oh, like the all picked non-dance records. Like we're all yeah. music, but none of us picked. A oh, band.
2: I I don't know that uh, one song argue,
0: is really hard. You could argue. I think this
1: a four song. to the floor record would would be tough for me to listen. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I think i don't know okay
0: that, that's too to tough Rome guys death, just on repeat
2: maybe maybe <laughs> i could do like i would probably be tame impala or something i feel like i could listen to. maybe maybe let it happen oh, maybe good. let it happen or that's breathe good. deeper or something
0: oh i was looking to breathe deeper last night yeah. and that's exactly so, what i needed to do while watching the election
2: yeah exactly something that could uh chill you the, out ease the anxiety of being deserted on an island yeah
0: Okay. So before we wrap this up, you know, uh, I am interested to hear both of your perspectives on this, um, with the current landscape post COVID or, you know, hopefully soon to be post COVID, how do you see the industry shifting? Um, uh, Mahalo, let us know your thoughts here. I'll give you the floor.
1: Well, you know, I, I think it's very hard to predict what's going to happen. Um, you know, it's, it's been a hell of a year. Um, yeah, not not to make my situation sound bad compared to anyone else's, you know, but it, it's it's been rough, you know. Um, and the way that I you know see it going is probably much smaller capacity shows down the road, which you know is going to obviously affect things. Um, in the beginning, I was thinking that you know this would be maybe an opportunity for younger artists and smaller artists to capitalize on, you know, the fact that promoters maybe don't want to take the risk of hiring somebody for, you know, their $20,000 guarantee, like a big DJ has. And yeah, sure. be an opportunity for, um, you know, the younger generation to swoop in and, and, you know, make their name more known. But it, yeah, does, yeah, yeah. it doesn't seem like it might end up going that way. It seems like maybe now everyone that's on the bigger side is willing to take price cuts and
2: uh, therefore
1: yeah. there's, there's extreme value in promoters taking on that stuff. So it's really hard to say what's going to happen, but, um, you know, at least out here on, on the West coast, things are, things are pretty shut down. I mean that you can have some outdoor events and things like that, but they have to be, you know, very socially distanced and, I mean, what they've been doing is like pod concerts and stuff like that. So that's a cool concept. And we'll see how that all works out. But I think it's still really early.
0: And Imanus, what about you? I mean, being in New York, you probably have a different kind of perspective than how Mahalo uh, does in L.A. I'm interested to see, you know, post-COVID, when we're out of this, where do you see the industry shifting?
2: Well, I see artists essentially right now under siege. You know, you look at the U.K. government telling artists to re retrain. I think that's just absurd. And it's a shame that there's been such a lack of support for artistic communities who who are very hardly hit, especially live performers like uh, Mahalo Everyone's and myself.
0: Lighting and you know.
2: And it seems Closer. like there hasn't been enough relief or any effort to to look look after those industries the way some other industries have had some Favorable treatment. So I think, as a a community, the artistic community is always undervalued in society, and even more so today, Um, when people are willing to pay five dollars for a coffee, but aren't aren't open to paying five dollars for a record. Mm. That tells you that tells you how we valued art in our society, and we've diminished the value of art uh, immensely throughout. The past, you know, several decades. But we've gotten to this point where it looks like live in the United States is going to be um, in a tough position for at least another year and maybe longer. And I would say the type of events that are going to come back are going to be small scale at first. But I think the nightclub industry the nightlife industry is going to be in a very tough position. We're seeing some consolidation right now. I saw that Glow has teamed up with um, Insomniac, so you're going to see a lot of smaller, more boutique indie club companies. I think get uh, bought out or their spaces taken over by by Insomniacs, by Live Nations, and I don't know how that's going to affect the experiences, but I think there's going to be fewer players in the nightlife space. I think. Yeah. Uh, middle markets like a place like um, maybe Portland or a college town like Madison, Wisconsin, the clubs there that we're bringing DJs, they're not going to have the money to do that for a while. And if they are going to bring one, you best be, be sure that they can break even at least. So I think that more events are going to be for, for up and coming artists, the place where they're going to be able to play is going to be um festivals, when they resume and perhaps more rave setting. But I think the nightclub scene is in for a bit of an awakening and a regrouping, and it's going to take some time to rebuild. So I'm pretty pessimistic, I'd say, about nightclubs for a while. As much as I love being in them, and that's what drove me to dance music is experiencing house music in small venues that are under 200 capacity. I don't know how many of them are going to be left after the dust has settled here, which is, I don't mean to sound ominous. I just think that we're going to see a shift where you're going to see dance music in, I think more rave settings and more festival settings come back quicker than we are the nightclub world.
0: Yeah, I agree with you guys. And I think that, you know, it's really going to lean on the shoulders of the fans to drive this change and to drive this, passion for wanting to have these spaces reemerge even if it isn't a new normal you know where you have as Mahalo mentioned you know the social distancing pod concerts um, and things like that Um, not to end on such a bad note I guess I'd like to ask one more maybe happier question (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, between the two of you uh, do you guys have a favorite show or memory from playing live I think that you know, it'll be great for our listeners to end on a high here and with some, you know, obviously brighter outlooks than that of what we just talked about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember one time I played a show and the hostesses were topless as they let me in to the show, and that was pretty. Fun.
0: That's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, so that was that was a great time. Um, how about you, James? <laughs> I would say
2: a memory I have that's really vivid and loose you were there for it was um opening for rusco and it was sold out at west webster hall here in new york and i just remember the energy and i love that venue i'd always wanted to play there it was one of my favorite places to go before i'd play there and just seeing the crowd and the vibe and i think i I'd put a lot of effort into this like what i was going to play and done some fun edits and everything was just being responded to so well and i think that i I'd, I'd had a great day. So I would say Webster Hall playing sold out there was one. Now that I think of clubs missing and when Webster Hall will reopen and all the uncertainty, I look back at that day and and I think, damn, that was that was an incredible time. So
1: so I think that would be the one. I love that. You got to do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I had another situation when I was younger, um, I think I was like 17 or something, but I, I opened up for Headhunters for his first show in the US ever. And I, I, back in the day when I was a kid, I was a hard style DJ. I don't know if I mentioned it, but um, I got to open up for Headhunters. And that was like the coolest thing ever for me as a, you know, young teenage hard style <laughs> freak.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's epic. That's like a life changing moment.
1: Yeah, that was like one of my, you know, moments that really made me think, you know, that I, I want to do this way more than just as a hobby. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you guys have both exceeded, I'm sure, expectations of your peers. And I'm just so grateful that Mahalo and Imanos, you both collaborated, worked on, and uh, wanted to release Aftertaste featuring Joe Cleary with us on De Um I can't thank you enough for joining me on our first ever recording of our De Trois Rendezvous podcast. Um, There will be many more of these to come. I think it's a great way of our fans being able to engage with the artists that we release with and hear a little bit about your process, your background, what gets you up in the morning, what gets you activated in the studio. So thank you so, so much. Um, The pleasure has been all mine and it's been an absolute privilege to represent your art. Here's to an amazing release on Friday. Um, Anyone listening, uh, please go uh, stream, share, play loud Aftertaste by Mahalo and Amano's featuring Joe Cleary. We can't wait to hear your thoughts. And then obviously follow them on Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
2: Thank you so much, Luce. It's been great chatting with you. And like you already reiterated, please go listen to Aftertaste this Friday, November 6th. It'll be out everywhere. Yes, thank you very much, Luis and uh, James. It's been a pleasure working with you on this yeah. one. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. And go listen to it, guys. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's melodic. Uh, Mahalo's done a great job, and it's a banger. I, hope, I hope I hope you enjoy it. This banger.
0: All right, guys, signing off. Thanks again.
2: Thank you. Bye. Bye.